Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am excited to start this new week with you and to start a new week in the Word. We go verse by verse every day, Monday through Friday, live most days. I'm not live today, you guys. It's Monday. It's my day off. Uh, I am recording this on Friday, actually. I don't always tell you that. I don't think you have to care, and I think it's just confusing. I just always, you know, go with the day uh, that you're watching, and that way I'll try to keep you on track. But anyway, I'm usually live Monday through Friday, and you can find me at 10 o'clock on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, otherwise, these uh, broadcasts live forever on social media. You can find them anywhere you listen to uh, audio podcast, Spotify, or anywhere else. Uh, anyway, uh, if you found it and if you're sharing the word with me, I love you and I appreciate it so much. Don't forget, I don't say it a lot because it's not about me or my ego or anything like that. Please don't think that, but it's beneficial to you and to social media in general for you to like or otherwise interact with Tim with Tim. If this is a kind of thing that you like watching on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify, the more you interact with it, the more you share it, the more you'll see this kind of thing on social media. And I would love to change the way social media looks for people. There's enough garbage out there. If you like this kind of stuff, then uh, like it, share it, interact with it, drop a comment. Uh, the more you uh, get involved, the, the more you're going to like what you see on social media and others as well. Uh, Acts chapter 21 verses 1 to 25. Let's jump right in. The first 16 verses or so are the voyage to Jerusalem. And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, is really pretty uh, uh, intentional about telling us nearly every port and every stopping point along the way. Uh, and also, everywhere they stop, there are these warnings to Paul, don't go, don't go, turn around, don't go to Jerusalem. And I find that really, really, really interesting. Uh, verses 1 to 3, the journey is from uh, Miletus, where we left off on Friday, to the city of Tyre, which is where Paul is trying to go at this point. The scripture says that they sort of uh, sailed around from Miletus to Kos, that's about a 40-mile uh, sailing route uh, south, uh, then to Rhodes, onto Rhodes and Patara. At Patara, you notice they change ships. They get onto a larger ship, uh, which is on its way to Phoenicia. Uh, that's about a 400-mile journey to Tyre from that point. So probably five days. And again, I, I don't go through this every time because I think it's tedious. But at the same time, just so you understand, these journeys are long. And so about five days from from uh, Patara to, to Tyre. And the only land they're ever going to see that's an open sea route, the only land they'd ever see would be the island of Cyprus. And that's what exactly what Luke says. We saw Cyprus. It was on our left. They didn't stop there, but they went right past it. It's the only land that they saw for the entire journey where they come to Tyre. And that's where the ship stops to unload its cargo. Um, Luke says they go ashore at that point to try to find the believers. Uh, it sounds like they're not familiar with the believers, the church at Tyre uh, necessarily. And so they, 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 they search them out and then stay with them for a week. Apparently, Paul's got enough time to stay there for a week uh, before he's still on his way to Jerusalem. Um, at the end of the week, they have this amazing goodbye. And, and these farewells are just really, really amazing to me. Uh, and then this one is women, children, the whole families are out there on the sand and the shore 
to, uh, to bid Paul a farewell. But before that, notice what it says in verse 4. We went ashore, found a local believer, stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. Does that stand out to you? Because, you know, Friday we had talked about how Paul was bound by the Spirit, a slave to the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So we know that the Holy Spirit is leading Paul to Jerusalem. Paul knows that beyond the shadow of a doubt. So why would the Holy Spirit put it on the hearts of the people to tell Paul not to go? Did you think about that? I think it's interesting. Is the Holy Spirit contradicting himself? Is the Holy Spirit giving Paul mixed messages? I don't think so, not at all. But I understand how this works. I think the Holy Spirit reveals to the believers, reveals to people the, the horrible things that are about to happen to Paul, the imprisonment, you know, the, the persecution. Uh, he, Paul is going to suffer more than he's ever suffered in the days ahead, and it would probably not happen if he didn't go to Jerusalem. So I think the Holy Spirit is preparing Paul for the hardship by continuing to remind him and warn him that it's coming. The Spirit is strengthening Paul for what he's about to face. But when the people get this knowledge, their instinct then is to say, don't go. You know what I mean? I think the Spirit is giving them the knowledge of what's going to happen, but then it's their flesh that says, don't go. You know, the Spirit wants Paul to go. Paul is going to go. That's not even a question. But you can notice how many times people say, oh, Paul, Paul, I, I, I don't want to see this happen to you. And Paul says, the Lord's will be done, you know. And that's exactly what happens over and over and over. These gospel goodbyes are amazing to me. How often Paul has to tear himself away from people he loves and people who love him so he can continue to serve the Lord in the places that the Lord calls him to go. I find it that the book of Acts is full of these gospel goodbyes and our lives are very empty of them. I wonder why that is. Why is it that Paul is so on the move and you and I are so on our hind ends? You know, we don't go anywhere. You know, I mean, I'm going to Myers today. I may share the gospel there. Most likely I'm just gonna buy food and go about my business, you know, and I've been in this church 26 years. I just find it amazing that, um, in other places, in other times, even believers in Jesus had to get up and go and leave everything. And you and I have this amazing privilege of staying where we are and enjoying our lives. And I, th I think if we were really following the Lord, you guys, we'd have more of these gospel goodbyes. Uh, it's full. Uh, Acts chapter 21 is full of these, these uh, uh, amazing goodbyes. Uh, as it goes on, uh, he goes to Caesarea uh, from Tyre to, to, to Ptolemais, spends one day there. The next day, they go into Caesarea where they run into Philip. You know, it's one of those, oh my goodness, I hadn't thought about him since chapter eight. You know, this is the same Philip who was, you know, with the Ethiopian eunuch and then he baptizes the eunuch and he disappears. And it says that he preached everywhere until he got to Caesarea. And that's where we left him. And, you know, dang it, that's where he still is. He's still in Caesarea. He kind of, you know, Philip settled down. Uh, he's got four daughters that are not married, and I love this. He's got four daughters, and all of them are in the ministry. I know. I know you're saying, Pastor Tim, don't say that. They're women, you know. Um, well, don't get mad at me. If you don't like that, take it up with the Holy Spirit, because it's in the Bible. He had four daughters. All of them were preachers. You know, I mean, they have the gift of prophecy is what it says. And, and I know most preachers, when they're talking about themselves and describing their gifts, they'll say that preaching is kind of the New Testament gift of prophecy until these, you know, four women get it. And then they can't be, they can't possibly be preaching. Well, you know, 
the Holy Spirit in the scripture doesn't, you know, have any kind of headache over this. So probably you shouldn't either, you know. If the Spirit gives them these gifts, leave them alone, let them preach, you know. So the four daughters are in the ministry, four daughters with the gift of prophecy, and Luke includes that for us to know. I mean, the Holy Spirit, uh, the promise was, would pour out, you know, be poured out on your sons and your daughters and your sons and your daughters would prophesy. You know, what do you think that means? Uh, anyway, seven days later, we come back to the man Agabus. Uh, Agabus is the very same prophet who earlier in the book of Acts prophesied the, the very famine that you know instigates the collection of the offering for Jerusalem. So it's kind of another full circle moment. This time Agabus acts out his prophecy. He takes Paul's girdle or what we just say his belt and he wraps it around his hands and feet and says, you know, this is what's going to happen to the owner of this belt. Well, we all know who owns the belt. It's Paul. And he's just showing that Paul's going to be bound. Paul is going to be taken, you know, uh, into custody. This is not going to be good. At this point, man, people lose their minds. They begin to weep and beg Paul, don't go, don't go. Please don't go. Don't you hear what Agabus is saying? He's never wrong, you know. Don't go. And Paul just says, man, you people are breaking my heart. The Lord's will be done, you know. The Lord's will be done. I, I just find that a, 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 amazing. Um, how willing Paul is to just do the Lord's will. It's not a matter, does Paul want to go? I don't even know if that's a question that ranks high on Paul's priorities. The Lord wants him to go, and so he goes. You know, My problem and your problem is we too often consult ourselves on what we want to do, and we don't want to do nothing especially nothing that's going to make our lives uncomfortable or get us into trouble. You know, we don't want to do anything like that. But it's not a question of what Paul wants or even what the people want. The question is, what does the Lord want? And Paul says, I'm, I'm going to do the Lord's will. You know, you're breaking my heart, you know. And so Paul arrives in Jerusalem. I'm sorry, I'm over time. I'll keep going real fast. So Paul gets in Jerusalem where they're so happy to see him. Also, they're not. <laughs> I was just being serious. So I'll read the scripture. They're like, oh, Paul, it's so good to see you. Tell us about the Gentile mission. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Also, your being here kind of puts us in an awkward situation, you know. So they're glad to see him. They're also not. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they just say, well, what do you, you know, you put us in a bad spot here because, you know, we're in Jerusalem now. And there's, you know, if you don't notice a whole lot of Jews here. And they've heard about you and, and what you're saying, you know, out there on the Gentile mission field, and they don't like it. And, and, and we got to live with them. I know that you can come and go, and you're probably going to be gone tomorrow, but, you know, you're putting us in a tight spot. So it would help us a lot if you would act really Jewish while you're here. And, yeah, I'm not making this up. This is what they say. People think that you're against the Jews now. People think that you're, you're telling people they don't have to do nothing Jewish. And so while you're here, would you mind just being really Jewish so the people who are looking for a reason to criticize you won't have any reason to criticize you and we won't have to hear about it? I mean, seriously, that's what they say. So they say, we got these dudes, we got these four men who are about to conclude their Nazarite vow. Now, I think a Nazarite vow lasts like 40 days. So it's not that Paul's going to do a Nazarite vow. He ain't got time for that. But Paul can undergo the ritual purification ceremony so that he can participate in their, you know, closing, you know, ceremony where they, you know, shave their heads and throw their hair into the fire, Right. So they say, Paul, why don't you purify yourself? Which is the kind of thing that if a Jew traveled into Gentile territory, then came back, 
to the temple, he would often go through this ritual purification to purify himself once more. And so they said, well, Paul, won't you do that? Won't you wash all the Gentile off of you in a ritual purification ceremony? And while you're at it, why don't you foot the bill for the whole purification ceremony for these four Jewish guys? Now, it's uh, shaving the head, throwing the hair in the fire, but also kind of uh, multiple sacrifices that, that cost money. And so they say, Paul, why don't you kind of put that on your card? Like you, you pay for all of that and the word will get out that you sponsored that and that you purified yourself and all the people who think you're not Jewish anymore, they'll be satisfied because you will be appropriately Jewish, you know? Like I didn't make any of that up. That's exactly what they say. Paul, we need you to make a big show of how Jewish you are. Again, it's not being fake. Paul believes in all these things, and this is the kind of thing that Paul would do, but it is in many ways just trying to make it easier because Paul has just stepped into an incredibly tense situation with the Jews, and it is going to not go well for him. We'll pick up right here tomorrow, chapter 21, verses 26 to 40. I went like three minutes over, y'all. I'm sorry. Chapter 21, verses 26 to 40 tomorrow, Paul is arrested. Uh, what follows is a uh, is a, a quite a long sort of uh, narrative about Paul's trials and, and custody and all of this, and we'll walk through it together starting tomorrow. So listen, have a great Monday. Stay in the Word. Read ahead, chapter 21. Finish it out for tomorrow, and I'll see you, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.